0: This is a Heel Turn Collective production.
1: Welcome to the Heel Turn Collective podcast.
0: Welcome into another edition of the Heel Turn Collective podcast. I am, of course... Your boy, Lance, and I'm joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Shane Riley. What's going on, Shane?
1: Um, nothing much. I'm extremely sunburnt today, and I watched a documentary about Lance Armstrong. No one told me that he was evil.
0: Well, you, wait a minute. You didn't
1: know Lance Armstrong was evil? Well, I knew he did the steroids thing, but I didn't know that he was just, you know, a villain, like, to the bone.
0: I didn't know he was a villain either, but apparently doing steroids while you're bicycling is, makes you a villain, right?
1: Yeah, it's not an ideal situation to do. Anyway, they do steroids, so whatever.
0: <laughs> they're all just jacked up on HGH and shit, you know. Just boy, what a way to start the show. But uh this is the Heel Turn Collective podcast and we got a hell of a show for you today because joining us will be recording engineer and expert in everything that is named Jeremy, Jeremy Worst. Uh, Jeremy's going to talk to us about recording. He's going to talk to us about some sports. And he also has a great rebuttal to our painfully unfunny heel of the Week last week, Ben Sass. So really excited to talk to him about that. we we'll also be breaking down a quarterback ranking from NBC, as well as talking about more divisions and, of course, having a new heel of the Week this week. So, Shane, are you ready to roll? Let's roll. All right. Let's talk some shit and get our asses whipped. Let's do it. So for those of you that joined us last week, you know, the heel of the week was Ben Sass, who is a uh, who's a Nebraska senator. I believe he's a Republican. Right, Shane? I believe so. Yeah. Not that that has anything to yeah. do uh, with anything, but uh, mm-hmm. like most Republicans, he is painfully unfunny. And when I say painfully unfunny, I'm not exaggerating. It's bad. And if you don't believe me, listen to this 20 second clip here
2: can't be surprised when they actually start ripping the heads off of honeybees. I get it. That's a pretty good point. We all sort of do grow into our names. And by the way, that's why everybody named Jeremy is the worst. Sorry, Jeremy. Not my fault. Blame your mom and dad. Anyway, the murder hornets, they're in Washington State, and they're really bad. But the murder hornets, they aren't even half as bad as the black
1: hole, in case you haven't noticed, or if you haven't been reading, and you should be because you got time on your hands. Scientists just... So, welcoming... the heel turn collective radio show we have lincoln nebraska legend music industry hidden gem and just a general badass we got jeremy worst how are we doing today jeremy
2: what's up guys how are you doing (laughs) good uh,
1: yeah
0: i mean we're gonna we're doing as good as uh you know anybody can in a situation like this right yeah i mean head head up (laughs) that's all (laughs) yeah yeah That's what they used to tell me in football, and I was very bad at that as well. So uh, one
1: career tackle, though. One career tackle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, Jeremy, I'm really we're really excited to talk to you this week, and we have a slew of things we want to talk to you about. But uh, I mean, the first question right off the bat, you know, why does Ben Sass suck wholesale balls?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So Ben Sass is uh I'm born and raised in Nebraska. So, uh, so Nebraska seems to be perpetually plagued with idiots, um, and <laughs> they're, uh, in positions of power, but this guy specifically is kind of like, um, <laughs> so like his rise to power is, was like very like sneaky almost, you know, like he, he grew up in a small town and, um, which is fine all that. And, you know, and he like, climb the climb the ladder there you know so you're king of the hill over there but uh and then he kind of slid up the real ladder at some point but he's kind of like that um he's kind of like that dad who wants to hang out with his son but like his son definitely doesn't want him to hang out (laughs) you know yeah Uh, so so in addition to the uh very cringy speech he had uh a couple weeks ago uh he's he's kind of been known to do kind of stupid things already so um so everyone in nebraska was like Oh, yep that's ben <laughs> sad like,
1: like this is part of hard for the course
2: <laughs> right right <laughs> the rest of the world was kind of like who is this guy but uh um there's another funny story if you guys would like to add or just make him uh you know two week in a row uh no
0: no go go right ahead jeremy i mean the floor is yours buddy <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: so so um in 2014 or 16 or a few, a few years ago, he was like asked to give a pep talk for a wrestling team.
0: Oh no. <laughs> now this is Greco Roman. This isn't like the wrestling that me and Shane are into. Correct. Yeah.
2: Correct. Like this is uh, this isn't like, pro wrestling. No, no, not <laughs> pro wrestling. I, I want to say this was like out of high school again. I don't know why he keeps hanging around high schools, but um <laughs> must be a hobby of his but uh
1: <laughs> different
0: under hobbies hey
2: uh under hobbies on my resume what do you i like
0: hanging out and giving pep talks at high schools like, Imagine yeah, that's like
1: fucking... before his pep talk he's like backwards hat like wraparound oakley's like smoking outside of the gym before the pep talk like hey kid
0: you got any marlboros
1: <laughs> i honestly wouldn't put it super far off
2: aside from the whole thing but so he's at this he's he's giving a pep talk i don't know why he's there and um he he decides to put on wrestling gear cuz he's an ex wrestler no you're oh hold on dude this you're is very, lying you're lying to me so real man um and he he like he like goes uh at his sparring partner <laughs> and bends his finger backwards and <laughs> snaps it like <laughs> <laughs> so he's like trying to be half cool dad right and take on a, a what I assume you're a high school or college wrestler and hands his own ass to himself. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, there's a quote from his wife from this article I'm looking at. It says, his wife, Melissa, says, he's got a need for competition, she said recently. Also, he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dog.
1: Yeah. No way.
2: Like- <laughs> so, I really want to bring up this part. <sighs> From uh from the dirty orange leader at the top. But uh at some point Donald Trump tweeted at Ben Sass and he says Ben Sass looks more like a gym rat than a US senator. How- <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but in that situation does he look like a gym rat. You broke his yeah. finger. Like-
0: <laughs> I mean to the outside world he True, might look yeah. like, you know, but like to Nebraskians, you know, he might just look like a fucking buffoon, you
2: know? I mean, no, I have no doubt he's probably intelligent. I mean, I think he went to, like, Harvard. Um, well,
0: that's par for the course for every friggin'
2: politician, it seems like, right? Right, right. I mean, you would hope that at schools like that, they would walk away with some thing. But, uh, you know, there's no promises, you know. Um, I, wonder
0: if, I wonder if Harvard had a wrestling team and he was fucking, like, on it or like, whatever. Just, but... like,
1: measuring the trajectory of how to do a double leg takedown on their opponents. <laughs> So so point, we, the if we take the, the recount
0: yeah, if you take the triangular vernacular
2: of of this, you know, maybe I can get him down, right well, what's funny what's so as after the speech came out, and uh i don't i i I kind of went slightly viral with my rebuttal to him, um because he said uh something to the degree of everyone named Jeremy is the worst person in the world, or something like that, and my name happens to be. Jeremy Worst. So I kind of was trolling on him all last week. And so I started kind of digging up stuff. uh Turns out he went, he studied abroad at Oxford and was quarterback of their football team. well uh, the I Oxford? Would... Yeah. Wow. I would love <laughs> to see the footage from that. Dude, <laughs> that's like being the
0: quarterback of the Virginia Automotive Institute. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, that's <laughs> about the same. So good. But he's, I don't know, it's like, Also, I mean, quarterback of an English football team, and we're not talking about soccer. Like, yeah, I I, I would
1: love to. I would love to see him slinging the pill around the yard. You know, (laughs) you know, just
0: really just dropping dimes out there (laughs) to guys that are gonna fucking end up. You know, just being these like scholars and shit and he's out there just dropping it out of the sky and stuff, you know, for a for an eighty five yard T D, you know? Like it's just like
1: Yeah, what but, if he had uh, a hose on him? Like what if he could like bomb the ball?
0: <laughs> he was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes and he
2: starred at Oxford, Jesus Christ, you know?
0: Like... Damn, dog. Have
2: all the physical but none of the uh you know intelligence i've <laughs> got all the physical like
0: man he he checks out of a typical nfl player i mean the intelligence is there it's just or the intelligence is not there but the the physical skills are there you know
2: but uh well, 10 out of 10 uh decision making one out of 10 you know yeah, one out of 10 this is well i mean I mean you
0: could say yeah, so but uh you know what, that's a, that's enough about Jeremy. I, I I'm I'm not Jeremy, but I'm, that's enough about Ben Sass. You know, I'm I'm done talking about him and him blocking up our airwaves, you know, with his just cruelty to comedy. <laughs> whatever that yeah. was. So right. uh, but yeah. But Ben, we or Ben <laughs> Jeremy, we have a slew of other topics we want to talk to you about. Um I mean, first, right off the bat, I mean did you play in bands when you were younger? Like, uh, were you, is that kind of like what got you into, uh, what you're doing now?
2: Um, so actually I would say my inability to keep a band alive was what got me (laughs) into what I, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I got you. Yeah. I, I, um, by the time I like got really, really into music, I was in high school and, um, I was sent to a smaller private school because I was a bit of a naughty kid when I was in a middle little school. bad boy, yeah, a little bad boy. Right. And we're talking like middle school, bad boy. Are we talking
0: like, so cool. from like, like Will Smith, fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know, kind of outcast.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, like mildly naughty, you know, in, in reality in today's standards. But um, I don't know. My sister was going there by choice interestingly enough. But, uh, so my mom was like, well, it'll make sense. But mm. so the high school, uh, uh, so I went from like what, uh, a public school that if I would have graduated, um, at the high school, I would have gone to, I would have graduated with like four or 500 kids, but instead I graduated with like 35. So the, the school population was a lot smaller and I just could not find like in a school that small, you're working with like, there's like six dudes who play music total in the school, you know, and like, and three of them are terrible and two of them are kind of dorks. So it's sort of like, including myself, I was probably the dork, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, so I tried to start some stuff and then, um, and then I was playing a lot of sports back then. And then, um, nothing would really like, you know, I, I had some really bad high school bands, but then, um, got into college and, and, um, and couldn't really get into anything there either um and then i'm sure everyone in a band knows how it is like getting 3 to 5 people together regularly expecting them to show up on time and actually work outside of practice is like impossible. Oh, it's just
0: the most, it's the hardest thing ever. Uh, for those that don't know, I played in an incredibly average band for a long time and it was difficult even for us to do that. So I completely Mm -hmm. understand.
2: Right. Right. And then, so, you know, and I was, I don't know at some point, um, well, so then I, you know, and then I graduated college and, um, by then I was working at this music store and I was kind of playing in a few bands. Um, and then I, I had bought some like recording gear on the side, mostly to demo. Um, I kind of have this (sighs) perpetual problem where, um, I think that I can do things better than a lot of people. (laughs) 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 It's, it's probably like my baked in competitiveness that Mm. is, is that reason. But, um, I remember the one band that I actually got to do some recording with, we went to the studio and like, I was all so stoked about it. Cause like, you know, it's like the best place on the planet. You're going Mm -hmm. there to, to make permanent, like the stuff that you've been working on. And I just kind of remember getting the mix back and being like, Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. And then like comparing it to like, whatever I was into at the time and being like, huh. Um, okay. It's not the same or as good in any way, but, uh, you know, whatever. Um, so, so, so I kind of started dabbling with it a little bit more and, um, you know, kind of playing in bands on the side and then recording on the side and working a full-time job. And then, um, at one point I was like working my 40 hour week job, I'd go home and I'd have sessions basically all night until like, you know, 11 or 12 and then go to bed and then go to my, like, and that was it. And then I would maybe play gig or something on the weekends but um,
0: Can I just stop you right there? Yeah, what's up? You said the word gig, playing gigs like <laughs> you're in fucking Led Zeppelin or something but anyway <laughs> yeah. go ahead
2: uh, So, well, I'll, uh, I can fast forward to this at some point but uh, I actually uh, well I'll get to that <laughs> uh, Okay. So, I, I will never be able to shake the word gig from my vocabulary because <laughs> it, for a while so uh, (laughs) those are truly gigs you know um but uh but yeah so so i was doing that and then um i met a couple influential people in my life that kind of um showed me that i don't i don't know how you guys grew up but like the midwest has a really interesting music scene Mm -hmm. it's not like we don't have like a label not far away or like there's no you know managers quote-unquote or you know like like, quote-unquote industry people who as you grow up to find out they're all not real and not really doing anything anyway um uh we just didn't have it so it kind of Mm -hmm. creates this mentality of like well no one really does music here you know full time but um but then i met i met a couple people that uh i was like holy shit i could do this you know yeah Uh, uh, one, one of those guys, his name's Don Gunn, G U N N. Um, mm-hmm. Don's worked with Death Cab, uh, Soundgarden, Peter Frampton, uh, uh, King Crimson. Um, and I actually met him, uh, I followed him on Twitter because I'm a big, big Death Cab for Cutie fanboy. Um, of course. And then, uh, he he uh he works sometimes at chris walla the old guitar player in death cab studio and so i followed him because i was like this guy seems cool and uh then he followed me back on twitter and i would just kind of like you know kind of honestly looking back now i would punish him so bad like, I'd be like <laughs> what is that that's so cool oh that's so neat and you know all that all that crap and then mm-hmm. uh and then my wife and I got married and went to our honeymoon in Seattle where he lives. And, uh, I didn't say anything to him. And he just randomly was like, he mess, he DM'd me on, on Twitter and was like, Hey dude, are you in town? And, um, I said, yeah, we're on our honeymoon. And he said, do you want to come over for dinner? And I was like, Absolutely. like uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: like, um, uh, which was also a very hilarious conversation to have with my wife, who is very cool for letting that happen. But, uh, I was like, Hey, so I met this dude on Twitter and he invited us over for dinner. I hope he doesn't kill us. But. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, how would you like to spend our honeymoon?
0: Just in case you're wondering with some dude I've never met <laughs> and hopefully he's not Hannibal Lecter.
2: <laughs> um, my wife's always been like super cool. And, um, about about all of, not like in the sense that like there's always that joke with guys that, and they're like oh my wife lets me do this like my wife has always been like no you need to do this clearly like you need to fucking do this so like mm-hmm. she's always been 100 110 backing everything i do which is so sick mm. yeah um, so yeah so i met i met Dawn and like this sounds so like normal but like i had such a normal experience like i we rolled up to his house it was like it was just a normal looking house you know it wasn't like a a big house you know it was you know it's it was a decent house but it wasn't like
1: so nice yeah. You know, he doesn't and, have like a pool on his roof or something crazy like that
2: right right, right. and and, <laughs> and I, you know i meet him and his wife and 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 they're really cool and like um he showed me his studio, which is actually a very similar setup to what I have now. Mm. Um, and again, he, he's, he's, and I still talk to him this day all the time. Um, he was essential because I, I punished him hard. Like I was like, how do you do this? How do you do taxes? How do you? And I was like, I was just grilling him about, I wanted to know how he made it happen. You know? Mm. yeah. Uh, and, and he gave me a lot of really good advice and and shortly after that trip I ended up getting my first real studio job uh, in California um, and uh, so so we had moved out there um, Don also kind of helped hooked it up too which was super cool um, mm-hmm. we moved out there and, and that first studio job actually fell through um, for, for good for decent reasons, uh, or acceptable ones, I guess, for like, (laughs) he guy's really cool. He was really honest about it. And, um, uh, and on all that stuff. So I, and I actually kind of work with him now. So, um, he, he co he co, uh, co owns or he's the editor of tape op magazine, which is a recording magazine, Mm. Um, but, but does anybody read that? That isn't a, a recording engineer uh you know occasionally like music people will get into it cuz like they'll they'll like interview like um Saint Vincent or like Taylor Swift's producer or something like mm. that so, like yeah. they'll get they'll get some hype um from from that kind of stuff um but um but yeah John is John was really cool and 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 that situation was like it wasn't like he promised me a job he was like yeah you can assist for me and we'll help you get going and then um nothing in his control or a a situation that was not in his control happened. And he was like, basically kind of sliding a little bit out of the studio he owned. Um, So anyway, and and he was, he was cool about it. And and Don helped me get in touch with this guy um, in the Bay area named Sam Pura. Who's done like hundredth and story so far and basement and uh, a bunch of like really great records. Mm -hmm. Uh, So honestly ended up working out totally for the best because man Uh, the the dude is like the dude is very very fucking good at his job and he was working on rock records which in reality is kind of what i love and enjoy more than um like the other the other studio i probably would have been working on a lot of like folk or garage rock you know nothing against any of that i've made a lot of folk and garage rock records in my life too but yeah. um, but like but you yeah. were in
1: like you were in rock bands and stuff like that yeah yeah so i kind mean of your I, passion on it
2: right right i didn't um <laughs> i was i would that's the sounds those are the sounds that i gravitate towards are mm-hmm. like big real drum sounds big real guitar tones things like that yeah, yeah. so i was working i was i was kind of interning which very quickly turned into um being his mixing assistant because i was also in an interesting position because i didn't go to school but i just worked my ass off um so i was in this really interesting spot where i knew more than the other interns uh but i didn't like um i had to like learn his workflow in order to actually work for him so Mm -hmm. there was a short period of time where i was you know just helping out plugging cables i was trying to be there as much as possible and at that same time, I was, and, and I, I was playing in this cover band. And so, <laughs> so the whole move to California, my wife and I like had a talk and a discussion about it. And um, we, we kind of made the decision together that if I was going to do this music thing, I was going to do it for real. and I had, And I had to basically bust ass and try to make my entire income doing music. Um, which is very difficult is, and every musician will tell you that. So, yeah, you put
0: kind of like your, you put all your eggs in that basket and and sometimes the return in that isn't what people think it is. Like people glamorize, like, you know, doing music quote unquote as a career and they glamorize it as like, man, you must be getting laid all the time, you know, doing this, that, 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 us that have toured and have been in bands and things like that. We know it's vastly different than that. And we know that that when you're at the bottom, you're at the way bottom. So mm-hmm. I mean,
2: that's absolutely relatable, right? Right. And it and the other thing too is like, um, m- my friend who who also um at the same time was building his music career. His name's Evan Bartles. He he is a folk singer songwriter. Him and I would would talk all the time about um, like if you have a backup plan, you'll never succeed. Yeah because you're always thinking about is when shit gets really hard or when you get really poor or when, or when like things get really dark, you know, like you're like, Oh, well, you know, whatever. Um, it was maybe a little insane. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so, yeah. So, I, so, so I was working at the studio um, and I was, I was playing in this cover band. Um, so, and, and that cover band was actually signed. Um, we were signed. Oh, how's Hawaii. that work? dude (laughs) california the whole entertainment is like straight up an industry there like uh like it doesn't
1: matter what the entertainment is it just is
2: right so like we would be hired to play like casinos and clubs and like we you know like we made x amount per show and like we had writers and um and it wasn't you know it wasn't super glamorous but like it paid my bills and like um, the other thing that it did, and uh, so I will also point out how much shit I got from people when they were like, you moved all the way to California to play in a cover band. And I was just like, I just kept my mouth shut. And yeah. I was like, you guys, uh, I guess you, you guys either get it or don't, you know? Because
1: mm-hmm. um, it, but- was, it wasn't necessarily for the cover band. It was for... Like that was your means to do the bigger picture thing that you were trying to accomplish,
2: right? Because I I kept getting in these scenarios where I was like, if I get a job, I can't keep going to the studio and working for Sam. Mm-hmm. If I stop working for Sam, I I can't like I I clear like. And at that point in time, I was like, I have so much to learn from him still. I can't go anywhere else. Yeah, not like desperately, but I like in my head, I was like, I need to be here. This is the place for me to be right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh. You know, and like, I did I, I did odd jobs. Like, um, I did uh I, I did sound for the uh, state of California. Um, <laughs> so I would is uh, that like happen. a government job? Yeah. <laughs> it was like subcontracted. So hmm. like, I don't even remember how I met this guy. I think I I think I did sound for this like sound company one time, and uh, the guy liked me a lot. Um, and he was like, you know if you need more work, you should hit up this guy. And so I hit up that guy. And that dude does the the sound for (laughs) state of California. (laughs) Wow. So so I drive down to Panda. uh, That's Sam's studio, Panda Studios. Mm -hmm. work there for as many days as I could. Drive back up uh, to... Uh, I was living in Sacramento at the time. So it's a two hour drive one way if there's no traffic. And in California, that doesn't exist.
1: So, and so and that's like what, like, that's probably like what, four miles of driving in California? Four miles? Yeah, um,
2: <laughs> yeah two hour drive is four miles of actual driving. <laughs> Sometimes, actually, my, my the day that I, I, I had decided I, I wasn't going to keep going down there, it was like it must have been a sign from god or something because i got it stuck in the worst traffic jam i've ever been in and that that drive that was two hours took me six and a half hours to get home oh my god some yeah. idiot like popped the tire but everyone in california has to fucking look at the accident <laughs> what what's going on over here I've friend? Never you know, a, i've never just... seen a pop tire before yeah. what's, uh, <laughs> i remember getting past the The clog and it just being like open road and just being livid, I was so mad I was like how how is how do people accept this as normal? you know
0: like an <laughs> enraged driver like I'm gonna fucking drive this thing straight up somebody's ass
2: here in a second you know like, yeah i i was i was I was so mad, like I think I stopped at a gas station and got some sunflower seeds Cause I was like biting my tongue i like I was so mad, but um. Yeah. So I was, I was working in the studio, doing the cover band. Um, and like some one night I remember we worked till like 2 AM at the studio. I slept for two hours, woke up at 4 AM to record, uh, to drive back to Sacramento to record a a meeting about housing costs. (laughs) Because at the time I like, I was just so poor. I had to pay my bills, you know? Um, But, but again, you know, like anything like that just makes you a stronger person. Right. You know, like I have a high tolerance for bullshit now, you know, exactly. (laughs) Like, like it's, it's one of those things that like when you get where you want to be
0: from being at the bottom, it just, it tastes so much sweeter because you're like, you know, I was there at the exact, you know, I was there at rock bottom, but Mm -hmm. now I'm, I'm up here and it
2: feels a lot better doing it that way. You know, and it, and it, and young people who ask me, how how i made this work i'm always like i don't i don't try to scare them but i'm like you need to be really real about the situation like mm-hmm. if you think like if you think that every week you're going to be buying like a $4000 mic you're fucking kidding yourself mm-hmm. yeah that's uh, my to wear, by the way. Oh, I, absolutely. I, well, I mean, it, well, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, no, but it's uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: free reign free here, Jeremy. Uh, yep. We're just a bunch of white trash. So, um, <laughs> but it's, that's kind of like being in a band though, especially when you're at kind of the local slash regional level is a lot of people will see, well, you've had a little bit of success. You know, how did you guys do it? And you're like, you have to be prepared. You know how many times I filled, you know, the van up with my own money like out of my own pocket, you know? So you have to be prepared to do the little things that other people aren't. And
2: that's the difference between people that succeed and people that don't, you know, you have to like, you absolutely have to do it because you love it. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, there's a degree, like there's people I know that, that do it very intensely, but like have unrealistic expectations. You know, given their ability to sing or play guitar, maybe you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you need to like, and and you need to like, and it's all about it's all about adapting, like throwing something at the wall, and if it sticks, you do that again, you know. And if it mm-hmm. doesn't stick, don't don't force it, don't force it, you know. And yeah, um, so like, um, and and also like taking every opportunity to learn, even if it's you know, um, even if it's not the most obvious, like, did I absolutely just only want to be in the studio? You bet your ass I did. But like, um, doing sound of those government meetings, I was like, you know what, I'm going to practice compression right here, like on the board. Mm. And I remember, I remember the dudes I worked with were like, yo dude, like you can just, you can just check out, man. Like you can just play on your computer or like take a nap when these meetings are going. And I was like, yeah, but I want it to sound good. And they were yeah. like, OK, and made fun of me, you know, and like I don't fucking care, you know, like, yeah, to me, to me you get hired again because you do a better job than everyone else. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And that's one thing that uh I uh, that is definitely one thing that I feel like people kind of lose sight of. Like, I've mm-hmm. always been kind of like that, too. Um, You know what? If I'm the hardest worker in the room, maybe that one guy will be like, you know what? Even if this guy's skill level is very average or, or this guy's yeah. like not as good as other people. He puts the time in. And sometimes that's all that matters. Sometimes, mm-hmm. hey, man, I'm willing to kind of grit my teeth and just do a, a lot of things, you know, walk through the sludge that a lot of people aren't uh, willing to do. So,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, my joke with everyone and it's not really that big, it's not really a joke, but I'm always like, be careful, man. I'll outwork you a hundredfold. You know, like, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and lose yeah. my hearing today and not be able to do this job anymore. Whatever I would do next, I would kill it. Mm-hmm. Because- yeah, because I'll outwork you, no matter what. Like we, could this could all end. Yeah, you're right.
0: You could go deaf tomorrow. You're never going to record another band in your life. But you know what? My next thing, I'm going to outwork you. I'm going to be the best one in the room. And a lot of people like just think that you know, when you start doing anything, you know, a lot of people just think, well. Uh, I really look up to this guy and I want everything to sound like that. And I think it's going to sound like that right away. But what you're not realizing is, well, this guy's been doing it for eight, 10 years now, you know, whether it's just starting like you did or, or, you know, anything else. So.
2: Right. I mean, you know, and it's like, you know, it goes, you got, this is a sports podcast. So I'll say I'm, I'm very competitive and I played sports and that mentality has leaked into my workflow. Like, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, again, there's a there's a self-destructive line to it. But like, you know, um, when I was when I was working at that studio, the way I viewed it is like, this is me being in the weight room before preseason, you know. Yeah. And like, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, get Ready. You know, and like I would go home and um, this is nerdy as shit. But like I would I would pull up different compressors and, and I would slam them so I could hear what color they had and what they were doing to the signal. And I would pu- and I would listen to them. Because you, you do those things. You do all of that work in advance. Or I, you know, another thing I did, I tell every r- recording engineer who's getting into it, do this. Uh, take your SM57 and take a guitar amp. If you don't have one, just borrow one from a friend. Everyone, someone's got to have a 57 and someone's got to have a guitar amp. Uh, start with the microphone, dead ass center of the speaker right in front of the dust cap. Record a clip, move it to the right an inch record a clip move it to the right an inch record a clip and go all the way to the edge of the speaker and then um and then listen to how that changes the sound um and and understand what the advantages would be where that mic is so like um another joke that i always give with everyone is like uh you give me an SM57 and you give anyone else an SM57 and I'll still make a better record mm, because yeah. like you have a bright guitar, bright amp, and you don't have a choice. What do you do? You move the mic to the darkest spot on the speaker, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Like, you have a super dark guitar and a dark amp, move it to the dead-ass center of the speaker. You know, like, knowing, and, and this stuff is all burnt into my memory now. So, like, like if Shane is in my studio hitting his snare, I'll be like, do you want low, beefy snare, or do you want high, beefy snare? How much tone do you want? How damp do you want? How much? Mm-hmm. How much attack do you want? How much decay do you want? um we even had a discussion i was like hey man i'm having this problem um and he was like oh should i adjust like how hard i'm pushing the drum head and like we did experiments and we found out that he had to like tone it back some like everything matters because to me real records are made by real players who can actually play Mm -hmm. so you can't fake that so if shane needs to adjust how he's playing and i need to move my mic you need to fucking do it Mm -hmm. you know yeah so it's uh, kind of
0: like you, you hear those stories on like big records, you know, you see like, you know, Metallica or something, you know, and it takes them a week to get drum tones. That might be why, because they're experimenting like, you mm-hmm. know, six, eight hours a day, just trying to like, fu- just get down to the, the most minute, you know, kind of thing. And, and then yeah. just to make it sound like a an action pack thing.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. And I'll, I'll actually reshape that sentence too. If you, spend, if you spend six weeks getting a drum tone, you better, you better have a vision for it. If you spend six weeks getting a drum tone because you don't know what the fuck you're doing, you guys need to hire someone else. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, I, was gonna say, but, I think it's it kind of a cool thing. Like all of that, like I always think about the thing of it, it's a fine line between cockiness and confidence. Right. Um, and I think the difference between the two is confidence is prepared, whereas cockiness isn't prepared. Um, right right there's nothing to back it up yeah like so you've done all this homework and all this thing so it's like you know that you know moving moving a microphone a quarter of an inch is going to accomplish this different thing um instead of just doing you know just kind of being like well no idea why that's doing that like, <laughs> like yeah you can become your own troubleshooting department just exactly. because you're prepared yeah
0: yeah you're yeah. just moving it you know little bit this way and that's kind of like it's kind of cool because recording is almost like like a mental game then mm-hmm. because you're like you're trying to be better all right man like we're gonna get the best fucking tone we can get out of this thing so mm-hmm. you know and you spend all day just listening because trust me i've mentioned this before man i've been in the studio where all you hear and, and jeremy you're gonna know exactly what i'm talking about but you just hear the same just snare hit bop 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 but you want it to be perfect. Mm -hmm. So you're just you're punishing yourself like that. So it's almost like an art though when you can get it kind of down and you can get it kind of dialed into where you want it to be.
2: Right, right. And you know, like like drum like drum tones come up, like we're talking about a lot of drum tones because Shane's also a drummer. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um are you a drummer?
0: I am not a drummer, no. I was I was a vocalist, unfortunately.
2: You know what? Like the the thing though is like vocals and drums are by far the most important thing because you can, dude, you can have the shittiest guitar tone and get away with it. Yeah. Where like, um, I, I I remember the record that we did um on Strike First was
0: uh our guitars were recorded through a Line Six Pod and it just <laughs> didn't sound good. Like it just didn't. Right. But I mean, he reamped it kind of down the line. But we it direct input. It was a Line Six Pod, and anyone that knows anything about music those things sound like, butt most of the time. <laughs> so like, um, it was it was an interesting experience, but, uh, but I could see w- your point there where, where direct input, the guitars might not have sounded that good, but like with the drums sounding huge and the vocals being right on top of it, I mean, the guitars kind of have their way to peek through. So,
2: right. I mean, with like, with if, if you start with something moderately usable, anything can be shaped, you know, but like, um, if the drummer plays bad, then you, then you're either replacing or overcompensating with samples, which takes away character because you're now using the sample pack that literally everyone on the planet has access to. Mm. So, <laughs> um, And that's like another big thing for me is um, the way that I view my studio is, is, is it's a boutique recording experience. If I'm going to use drum samples, it's going to be of the actual drums that were used in the session. Mm. And I only use them when I have to. So like, if the drummer is a cymbal basher and i need more room ambience and pushing the room mics up is like not gonna help the problem i'll i'll blend in an ambient sample of the real snare mm-hmm. to you know and um and Shane knows this cuz uh you know he he went through the machine but uh <laughs> um like we we tune drums between every section of the song so i can steal a snare hit from the very end of the song and put it in the very beginning and the drum will not change pitch mm-hmm. um like getting in, in the thing in Getting to the point where all of that becomes second nature. You're not thinking about any of this. You know, like um, like Shane and again, Shane knows this because he's working. It's like we do a take, we do it so it feels amazing, Mm -hmm. right? Because like, you know, passion and performance are the are 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 critical. I can I can adjust pitch, I can adjust timing, but if passion performance are there, that's the winner. Mm -hmm. So then like cool i'm gonna um and i edit as i go because to me uh i want to hear the final product day one so like ieq and compress and distort and do whatever the hell i need to like day one um is i'm sure other bands know this but like you wait six weeks to get a rough mix back and it doesn't sound anything like you fucking recorded you know (laughs) (laughs) like nope not okay like I'm going to practice editing in my own time because I'm going to be so good and so fast at it that by the time Shane has retuned his snare, I'm ready to go. It's edited. It's the final. And, um, but when all of this becomes, you know, second nature, that's when, to me, that's when my creativity unlocks. Cause you just become a locomotive. You're just, Mm -hmm. you're just moving, you know, like in, in, in the train, and you have all that mass behind you and the train is moving, you know, and, um, like to me that like, that's the most fun I have is when the band is so good and I'm so dialed in that like, we're just doing weird shit because mm-hmm. we're working so quickly that we have time for that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, kind of speaking of that, um, kind of like something I, I wanted to ask you for, for a long time, Jeremy, um, is, uh, you know, I, I've known you a, a little bit now and, uh, something that I, I've kind of wanted to ask a lot of, uh, kind of recording engineers and things or, or, what what is the difference in the creative process as far as being an engineer versus being in a band? You know, um, typically mm. when you're in a band, you have a certain creative you know focus, but, uh, as a recording engineer, do you almost feel like you're like another member of the band or like, do you feel like disconnected at times or,
2: or how, how is your mindset going into something like that? You know, um, in a perfect world, um, the bands would be open to my opinion as if I were another member of the project. And sometimes it takes a couple, like, like maybe I'll do an EP with the band and they're kind of getting a feel for my workflow. And like, um, I'm, I'm pretty unafraid of giving suggestions, you know? And, and it's not that like, Oh, my suggestion is, it, but at the very least we have to try the ideas, you know? And mm-hmm. that's, that, and that goes back to the, like, If we're working quickly and our workflow is so dialed in, there's no reason why we can't try three or four ideas out and pick the best one. So, um, but uh, I mean, in a perfect world, bands would have like a hundred percent trust in me and, um, and, but that's not necessarily always the case sometimes. And, and I think establishing that, that um, role before any, mics are put up is important Mm -hmm. Um, i before any band books i'm always like hey so just so you know um are you asking me to produce the record or are you guys asking me to just engineer aka push record and produce is kind of a shitty word because it's so misused these days but what i what i tell people is do you want me to have an opinion about how your songs are or do you want me to just push record and there's nothing wrong with either um and so you know if they say, "Oh yeah, we definitely want your opinion," then 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 we have like a you know first couple of days of recording is always kind of like the trial. Like, okay, are they really gonna? <laughs> yeah. Like, is this drummer really gonna use his snare or is he gonna use my Black Beauty instead of his cheap crappy snare with the old head? Like, mm-hmm. um, and and it's and the nice thing is, um, I n- I'm never like that sucks. We're not using that because I've been surprised by. Um, I always try things out. So like, I've been surprised before trying other people's stuff out and been like, okay, yeah, that's perfect for what this song needs. Um, and establishing like that trust and that communication is so important. Um, if you, if you're an engineer, producer, and you like roll in trying to steamroll everyone right off the bat, um, you will develop a reputation for that, um, For better, for worse. Um, We just kind of go in there kind of swinging your wang around or whatever. Right. I mean, I know some people personally that like they have a sound and it's like you go to get ran through their machine Um, and it's, you know, maybe is or isn't um, an equal playing field creative process. Mm -hmm. But um, I'll also fully admit that some bands need someone to just tell them what to do. Yeah. Um, (laughs) i mean yeah obviously
0: you go in there with your own vision you know you go into the studio and you're like all right well this is what we kind of written down this is kind of like but at the same time you're you're kind of also being like well um, an outside ear that's something that i've always learned is like with anything not even just music with, with anything in life, having an outside perspective on anything is like kind of a beautiful thing because mm-hmm. then you know you're get so especially now going back to music you, you're so dialed in with something like you've heard something a thousand times because you wrote the riff so like having somebody else kind of come in with their two cents is kind of an interesting way to kind of be like well I would try to tweak it this way and then it just makes it mostly better, you know, for the most part.
2: Yeah. Right. Right. Um, it's, it's, and I think why my process works well is I say, let's try your idea. Let's try my idea and let's try this other guy's idea. And we're going to pick the best one together because what it does is it allows them to hear, um, like I'm the big picture guy. I'm not just thinking about my singular riff, I'm thinking about, yo, man, why the hell are you shredding when there's the lead vocal line, you know or yeah, or um you know, like your bass player's doing a fill here, your guitar player's doing a fill here, and your drummer is doing the longest fill I've ever heard in my life here. <laughs> why are you doing this <laughs> it, it's It's about you know or being like, okay, cool, going into the second chorus, we're gonna use the the drum fill and going into the mm-hmm. you know. And that's what to me makes music interesting is like the same thing like th- when things are messy uh <laughs> some people call it art um <laughs> but uh like, to me I'm like man somewhere in that mess there's probably a song yeah yeah somewhere
0: yep. in that mess so you almost have to like tear it down to its like root level and just yep. be like all right so here's what's going on um somewhere in here is a song we just need to piece it together Mm -hmm.
1: right Run the comb through it yeah it doesn't doesn't
2: need to be like uh i heard a piece of advice a long time ago from uh i was like reading an article about uh the singer of against me and she was referring to bruce springsteen and she was saying um he has this thing where he says if you can't if your song isn't good acoustic your song isn't good Hmm. and i like i don't think like all the way stripped all the way down like that that's particularly true because like if you're a car hardcore band it's like what this, yeah. isn't gonna, this is sorry, gonna this, work this, on uh, acoustic instrument this isn't yeah, like, gonna sound good acoustic so you, would be ashamed, you know but uh but but the essence of that of that is is true to me like um if you remove all of the distractions mm. what does that song sound like okay yeah. now let's back one at a time and pick which ones need to be there you know and Mm. you know that that questionably sounds like i'm gutting things but that's not the case if anyone if anyone personally knows me or for some reason has listened to any of my work uh they know that i love weird so uh, that's that's not necessarily a problem what i'm trying to do is is form a bridge of communication between listeners and the band to get a message across Mm not saying i'm trying to make radio hits and sell millions of records <laughs> i'm saying i'm saying that there needs to be a, a respectful communication between um a band and and um and its and their listeners so they can appreciate the things that you do um does that mean that sometimes a riff gets cut absolutely um i try to avoid it especially um especially if someone's really attached to it or even like married to it you know but um but even then i'll be like you know what if this like means a lot to you like let's do it you know but but if we're gonna do it let's make it fucking cool as shit you know yeah if we're Um, gonna pick that particular
0: riff let's make it interesting and let's make it you know kind of cool
2: right like let's let's fuzz it out and put it through a backwards delay and make it rip your hair the hair off your head you know like Mm -hmm. make it cool as shit um like owning owning that stuff like Oh, I came up with this weird noodly riff. It's like, okay, how do we make it cool though? You know, um, yeah. that's like, those are things that I'm always thinking about. Um, and I, and listening to tons and tons of records and and stealing ideas from multiple genres is like super important, mm-hmm. uh, to me as well. But, um, but yeah, so that was kind of like a very long winded. No. Like, I'm big picture. Um, sometimes band members are, are, little picture and sometimes members certain members of bands are big picture as well and not everyone can be big picture otherwise you can end up with a bit of a hodgepodge yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> so
0: um but uh but yeah i mean jeremy kind of before we get before we get you out of here and things uh this is a sports show i mean that's really what me and Shane talk about the most. And, uh, you know, we just, uh, we kind of wanted it before you get out of here. We just kind of wanted to talk to you about, uh, some sports memories that you might have, or, or if you have a favorite team today or, or what kind of sports you into, uh, and things like that. So, uh, growing up in, were you born in Nebraska? Yep. So, yep. so you're a big time corn Husker, right? Yeah, uh, it's it's a religion here, you know. So <laughs> I mean, well, me and Shane were talking a little off air, and we were talking about, I mean, what else is there in Nebraska besides the Cornhuskers? Like, is there anything else? Like,
2: you know, sports wise, not really. They do the, they normally do the, um, the College World Series in Omaha every year. Um, uh, so that's like kind of a cool uh, sports thing that happens. I about that. Um, yeah,
1: <laughs> we occasionally.
2: <sighs> Well, on and off have some like am teams you know but like they don't really last junior hockey is kind of like a big thing here for some reason
1: hey hey what do you say let's go stars you know what i'm saying
2: so like yeah (laughs) (laughs) so like
0: like being in nebraska obviously you don't have an nfl team or anything but like what are the big time
2: sports teams there um Packers, Chiefs, Broncos, and uh, like Vikings are all uh, Vikings and Bears are all basically any of the Midwest teams. Mm. Wow!
0: Uh, so it's just or, like a hodgepodge, just like a melting pot of all these like fan
1: bases.
2: Yeah, and and what's interesting is no one truly has any allegiance to
1: anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Wait, everyone's see. just very casual fans. <laughs>
2: but, yeah. I'm, I'm hilariously, um, like uh, we I, we talked about this off air. I, I used to be way more into sports than mm. I am now. Um, and my team was always, uh, the Seahawks or the Packers, but, um, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not up to snuff anymore. Cause my job took my life, but, uh, yeah, yeah I feel but, it. Uh, but yeah. So, um, I was watching, like, I, when I was a kid, I was watching the Packers, like in the, in the Brett Favre golden air or golden days, you know, and of course, um, yeah, I don't know. Like everything I liked was like probably like hip at the time. Like I loved the Bulls. But how could you not like the 90s Bulls? Come you know? on, man. Like I mean, you just got that documentary The Last Dance. It was
0: unbelievable like <laughs> if you watch it. But but yeah, absolutely. So how can you not like the Bulls
2: at that point, you know? Looking back, like I didn't you never realize at the time that you're watching history like mm-hmm. Michael Jordan is a fucking legend, man. Yeah. Like I mean, that's it,
0: it's it's even, kinda
2: like today. You know, yeah. a lot of people don't realize
0: like we're watching Tom Brady, he's gonna go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. When you know, they're and they're not yeah, absolutely. And people watched Jerry Rice and they watched all these guys that were just I mean, just absolute standouts that you hear now. People talk about being the greatest ever, and the only thing you could do, uh, when they were playing was be like Man, come on, somebody fucking stop this guy or whatever. You know, <laughs> you can't you, like all you do is root against him, but at the end of the day, you just gotta submit and be like, wow, he's the greatest
2: ever. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only way you can put it. Yeah. You know, and and i I made this point or I directed it earlier. Like, I have a I have a huge appreciation for um any athlete or honestly anyone in any industry that goes like like way above and way beyond what anyone else mm. has is doing. you know like yeah. lebron jordan uh, uh uh fuck conor mcgregor uh like all of those like and you watch those documentaries and those people are like i have to win yeah like, yeah being and you're like maybe at the sacrifice of some of their family mm-hmm. like their mental health like that's not necessarily cool but like like the the idea that you believe in yourself that you can be on top and it be a realistic thing and you can visualize it is super inspiring to me and yeah. and I like I look at things that way all the time like don't just be okay at something fucking kill it you know yeah yeah, yeah.
0: don't be if you're going to be average at something you know what's the point in that like you mm-hmm. want to be the best you know and yeah. me and Shane are big wrestling fans and uh you'll hear all the time like if you don't want to be the champion what the hell are you doing here? You know, Mm -hmm. like what, what, uh, what possesses you if you don't want to be, you know, the best and, and you're right. It alienates a lot of people. It kind of turns others away. But like, to me, that's the difference between Jordan and LeBron because Jordan is an ice cold killer that put, that sacrificed everything Mm -hmm. to win. And not, I'm not saying LeBron didn't or LeBron doesn't now, but I'm just saying like, I just think that they're so different in what they do that Jordan is just like, he's an alien. Like he's not yeah. even a real person dude, because of the right. way he thinks and the way that what makes him
1: tick. Well, it's kind of interesting. Cause on a lot of those, like how Jeremy said about like being great in whatever field you're in, like there's only a handful of people that genuinely can say that they're the best on the planet at what they do.
0: Exactly. But
1: there's also a really, really interesting part of that where, with the right amount of work, anyone can get to that point. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like, while being realistic, yeah, yeah.
2: About, you know, I'm yeah. I'm I'm five eight. I can't dunk. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying like that's just never gonna happen. I'm too fat and slow. Like, could I spend the rest of my life? And I'm also 31. So like, I'm I'm that that ship is sailed. But realistically, like anything like anything is game and i think i think some kids uh, realize it super early on um also the the jordan uh lebron thing i think is an interesting comparison um because if you if you think about the resources that were probably available to jordan at the time and like mm. the resources that were available to look le- like the internet you know like yeah my wife I Jeez, joked yeah. About uh like uh we jokingly get on TikTok and laugh at people, but uh I was like or she was saying like um everyone at a super young age now is so good at putting makeup on because there's all these videos that show you exactly how to fucking do it professionally. Yeah. Like back in the day, Jordan didn't have that. You know, like LeBron could probably watch Jordan footage videos all the fucking time. Um and, and like learn his his art form of basketball and then watch Kobe and meld those or, and then do his own thing with it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, the resources are out there that now you have no excuse. Yeah. like I mean, yeah. If if you
0: want to be the best. Yeah. If you want to be the best, you know, you, you just, you go on YouTube and you're like, well, how can I mold my game after somebody that was Mm -hmm. the best, you know? And and, uh, it's like Picasso said, uh, good artists borrow, great artists steal. So, right. I mean that's kind of the mm. same thing you know you you think about it like um you take the best of everything that kind of makes you tick that has influenced you, and you kind of put your own twist on it you 're not really ripping them off or anything, but you put your own kind of twist on it and you kind of see where it goes but mm-hmm. and then you mold into who you are and you're right jordan couldn't didn't have the privilege of seeing Bird and Magic Johnson and all them at his fingertips. you know LeBron has that exact thing you know and um I actually, um, LeBron's a little older than I am, but, uh, we kind of grew up in the same era, but yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying there. I mean, cause it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic to say the least. So mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, it's, that's a great point, Jeremy.
2: Yeah. I mean, I wonder to a certain degree of when LeBron is playing basketball, he's playing chess, you know, like, um, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play this way until I watch this guy fucking tire out. And then I'm going to hit him hard all night you yeah. know like, yeah um, like i i guarantee you there's a deeper conversation going on in that dude's head than any of us will ever realize um and, and like um i feel that like tom brady brought him up or like uh my wife my wife and i just were super far behind but like we just got done watching chef's table and like the la uh the last dude of the last season that's out like um he's he was like that he's like I'm gonna um I'm gonna bring Southern cooking back to life. And he like to the degree where like he now owns a field and grows the same beans that his ancestors have that went extinct almost when What the fuck. Some that, people just that, Yeah, that's I mean, a different that's, kind of
1: person. You know what I mean? Like that level of hunger, quite literally and competitively, <laughs> like
2: <laughs> <laughs> or uh what's that? Uh have you guys seen Jiro Dreams of Sushi? Mm mm. No. Um, sushi is disgusting about, so well i <laughs> spent every day in a sushi sh- sushi shop and he's like the best in the country people come from all over the world and he's like this really simple man and he's taken work off one day in his entire life uh to go to uh, a funeral you know like people don't need to necessarily go to that <laughs> to yeah
0: agree, like but... like you hear shit like that and you're just like God damn man like how do you have time to do anything you've devoted this like you see those old clips of going back to Jordan you see those old clips of him making free throws with his eyes fucking shut right. like you, you got to figure dude's probably made close to a million free throws in his fucking life and his it's just it's just hand eye coordination you know what i mean just this this second nature to him and it's just like how how much do you have to devote yourself to something to kind of see those results, you know, and it's probably staggering when you sit back and think about it, but at the same time, you're just like, that's what separates them from everybody else in the field, you know?
2: Right, right. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Jordan's muscle memory for shooting uh, a free throw is unreal. You I know, mean, like he could probably make a hundred in a row without even, you know, not even thinking about it. You know, yeah. A dude can retire twice and still knock him dead. You know, it's like. <laughs>
1: something insane
2: in you know like that's that's an un uh unreal is not the right word because if you worked your ass off you could be that person you know it's like Mm um it's like
1: it's almost like otherworldly
2: yeah i mean like whenever i read interview interviews with super famous producers they're always like what did you do to make this magic happen and they're like the band was that fucking good Mm -hmm. and everyone's like oh okay and it's like that's not that's not to be taken lightly like and if you like prep a band and if you're in a band and you and you come at like like it's game time like that means everything you know or like whatever you're doing wrestling music sushi like whatever man like those are all all important and like if you want to be a normie like that's fine like there's really nothing wrong with that yeah but don't talk shit. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. It's it's like, yeah, it's it's like our motto on the show, you know, don't talk shit unless you're prepared to get your ass whipped.
1: Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if
0: you go in there hot, you know, Shane mentioned it earlier, the difference between cocky and confident, you know, there's a fine line. And if you're cocky, you're going to get thrown on your ass and everyone's going to laugh at you. Mm-hmm. That's just what? the way it is. You know what I mean? Because you're going to get schooled by somebody that's obviously better and obviously kind of knows
2: what they're doing, where you might, you know, come in a little bit short in that point. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. But the thing is though, those moments can define and change your life. Like you get your ass handed to you, you will never get your ass handed to you in that same way again. Because you sure. don't know, yeah.
0: you know how that fucking feels. You're mm-hmm. like, dude, I'm never going to go through this again. Yep. And everybody in every walk of life has been knocked on their ass before and if you haven't, you're a fucking liar. And mm-hmm. I will call you a liar to your face. But <laughs> right. for real though. I mean everybody's been kind of knocked down and it's just about how do you want to get knocked down like that again? Or do you want to make a
2: fucking difference for once, you know, mm-hmm. and and be willing to like, uh, be creative and like, honestly, like go to like, go to the place that no one else is willing to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a sports story for you. Um, when, when I, um, when I played football, I actually used to weigh another 40, 60 pounds. So, <laughs> um, I was a, uh, uh, offensive guard and, uh, uh, defensive tackle and nose guard. And, um, we, you know, this is high school, so this is like not real sports in any way. <laughs> I, I was, uh, we were playing our rival team and, and I was defensive tackle and, uh, the dude across from me was like 300 some pounds, just this huge kid. Like, and he, and he was like stuffing me because like, and, you know, at the time I was like, he's just too fucking big. And my Mm -hmm. coaches need to fucking get in there. And, and I got, I got fucking pissed. And like, um, one, one play, I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go at this kid. Like, I'm going to terrify him. Mm -hmm. And so like, um, they snapped the ball and like, um, I did the, I did the thing where you, (laughs) you push their shoulder pads up from the chest. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) their head kind of automatically roll back a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I like, i probably missed an important tackle but like i just took him and i took him as far back as i could go like out, off the sideline and i was like just like screaming and frothing at the mouth at him and <laughs> like, my coach was like what the fuck are you
1: doing <laughs> you're like you pancake the guy but you're the defensive player like you should be the one getting pancaked and not the <laughs> offensive one <line. laughs> the, the rest of the game he
2: didn't touch me he was fucking <laughs> He was just like, petrified of Jeremy, um,
1: right? The that guy over there's a complete sociopath. I'm staying yeah. away from him, uh. so <laughs>
0: I'm not going near that guy one bit. So
1: yeah, I had a good like back half of the game because
2: of it, you know. But it's like I was willing to be that guy and mm-hmm. like get, get psychotic on that dude, you know. Like I don't, you don't need to bite anyone's ear off, but like. <laughs> yeah i you mean know. but
0: at the same time you want to be that guy that that people remember and you kind of want to be you
1: well, know you want to be the guy so. that people think might bite my ear off yeah right. so, I mean, uh, uh, but uh, uh
2: oh,
0: go yeah. ahead
1: jim no i was just gonna like
2: the the, the another example would be like marshawn lynch like when he was uh in in when the Seahawks were doing well, and he <laughs> shedded all those tackles off, yeah, I remember that one. I think they were playing the Saints, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, dude, I can't even, I can't even imagine having to tackle him because I bet he would look you dead ass in the well, eye, and you know that he wouldn't like he was
1: gonna kill you. Well, he like, used to he used to play like, um, like whenever he was like younger, I guess he was playing football, and he would be like bouncing off of like buses and stuff like that. <laughs> like
2: Jesus Christ, like legitimately,
1: like. Um, like playing like football on the streets or whatever. And then, I mean, there's that famous clip of, you know, the, the run through a run through a mother after his face that you don't, (laughs) then you don't have to worry about him anymore is what he said. Oh my
2: God. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, he plays with so much, so much conviction. And like Mm -hmm. Tom Brady, the same way in his own capacity, everyone could fucking hate him, but it's like that dude totally gets it. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. Like he gets how the game should be played and that's why he's the best ever. So, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, Jeremy, I, I really want to thank you for coming on. I mean, we're going we're gonna to end our time with you right now. But, hey, man, I want you to plug everything you can, uh, mm-hmm. talk about your studio and all your socials. Go ahead, Jeremy. Uh, the floor is yours, friend.
2: Sure. You can, um, you can, I've got a website. You can go to www.coyotefacerecording.com. Um, I'm on Instagram, too. You can hit me up, uh, Jeremy underscore worst, W-U-R-S-T, like the sausage so okay brought worst yeah yeah there we go uh yeah that's the other joke if you can come up with uh uh a joke using my last name that i've never heard before you get 100 points if you come up one with one that's bad or i've heard it before you lose a thousand points oh so, wow
1: <laughs> and you don't want to lose a thousand points yeah the pressure's <laughs> on for sure
2: so You're starting at zero so if you go negative they shoot you so <laughs> that's how we handle it in america but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did it first is my bad. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I got you. But, uh, so I mean, are you on Twitter or anything, Jeremy, or is that? Yeah, but I mean,
2: I'm not super active on it. I'm just kind of snarky.
0: on I, it. I feel, yeah. I mean, that's what Twitter's for, but, uh, yeah, thanks Jeremy. Uh, thanks a whole bunch and, uh, make sure you check him out. He did the latest tiger wine record. Uh, he did a lot. He had his hand in a lot of other recordings. Uh, Shane has worked with him personally. So, mm. but Jeremy, we really appreciate you being on today. Yep. Thank you, guys thanks for having me have fun yeah absolutely all right that was jeremy worst uh over at uh, is it coyote face uh recording shane is that the actual studio name yeah yep okay well i mean that that's kind of fun you know mm-hmm. it's kind of a fun name but uh we really thank jeremy for having on today yep. yeah, a lot of interesting points mm-hmm. um you know if, if you're into recording at all or anything something like that would be really fascinating to kind of uh you know kind of sink your teeth into so we always uh we always welcome all kinds of crazy guests on here. So, great to have Jeremy on. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, we got a lot more to talk about, though, Shane. Yep. Yes, we got we a do. lot more to talk about. So, I mean, go ahead. You so bring it up, brother.
1: Yeah, we're going to start off. Uh, similar to the insane LeBron thing that happened last week on whoever on everyone's uh, phone notification from ESPN, I got a targeted ad on Facebook from uh, NBC Sports. Um, ranking the top 32 um, starting quarterbacks going into the season. And it has some of the most insane things I've ever seen in my entire life. Yes.
0: So um, right off the bat, right off the bat, I'm just mm-hmm. going to, I'm just going to cover, I'm just going to cover the dark horse in the room here. Yeah. Joe Burrow's number fucking 21. He's number 21. Okay. So Joe Burrow, who has played
1: zero yep. snaps in the NFL. Yep. Zero. Yo has not worn his game jersey and pads yet.
0: Yes. Let me run down the quarterbacks that are ranked below Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield, outrageous. Yep. Sam Darnold, no way. Yep. Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. Mm. Uh Ryan Fitzpatrick, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Gardner Minshew. Tyrod Taylor, Mitchell Trubisky, Dwayne Haskins, and Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham deserves to be in the top bottom three. I believe that he deserved to be in the bottom. He's three.
1: unproven. I'll agree with that. Yeah, he's unproven. Mm-hmm. But Joe Burrow's got to be up there with him, right? Well, he's. I think statistically, he has to be thirty-two. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a Joe Burrow guy, but he hasn't played a game yet. We can't say zero. That he's,
0: yeah, zero. Like you have zero, zero think,
1: things going on. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things about this is number thirty, Mitchell Trubisky. I heard people from like actual sports, like I think it might have been ESPN, but someone had the, him in the early season MVP discussions last year, going into the season, and oh he's at thirty God. this year. <laughs> also, I don't think he's going to be the starter, but that's yeah, that's I know we me.
0: we talked about that a little bit uh, mm-hmm. before, you know. Uh, I kind of agree with you that if if they're struggling out of the gate, Nick Foles is coming in. So, yep. um, a lot of other names on here. I mean, you got the standard stuff. Patrick Mahomes obviously coming in at number one. Russell Wilson is two. Lamar Jackson three. Do you think they got the top three right? No. Um, I don't know if I would place Lamar Jackson over Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. I yeah, just don't know if I yeah,
1: would. I would agree with that. You know, the thing we kind of talked about this last week. I think Patrick Mahomes is in the top three. I don't know if I would put him at one necessarily.
0: I mean, you're gonna put him at one because you're gonna have that recency bias. Look, he just yeah. went to these he just won the Super Bowl. He went to the AFC championship, mm-hmm. you know, the year before yeah. that. So and he's only been in the league for three years. So like I mean that I, recency
1: bias. Do I think that he's the best like he's on the best team in the NFL? Yes. Um, yeah I mean the best over, team, yeah. as far as an overall quarterback I think I would put Russell above him personally yeah
0: absolutely so um, Drew Brees at four Aaron Rodgers at five Deshaun Watson at six I think is a little questionable mm-hmm. I'd probably have him down a little I'm not as big on Deshaun Watson as other people yeah. are
1: here's um, where just, it gets real questionable
0: <laughs> yeah Carson Wentz at seven who gets hurt in all of the key games
1: like <laughs> that's also,
0: unbelievable to me
1: Matt Stafford at eight well look, which uh, I I I'm, do like Stafford. I do think he's top 10, but the person that's two below him is the problem here. We have, which is so we, have, tom- we have we have we have Matt Stafford at a number 9 is Ryan Tannehill, who literally just handed a football off all year last year, and then number 10 is Tom Brady. Um, tom Brady's
0: number 10 on this list.
2: This behind, guy's won-
1: behind Ryan Tannehill, like Ryan Tannehill, Matt Stafford and Carson Wentz. And even Deshaun Walter for that matter. I just eh, no nope. I'd pro- I would probably have Brady at six, I would
0: think. Yeah. Um somewhere around there. Yeah. I mean, um NBC, if, this isn't it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, NBC sports. You know. Uh, Kirk Cousins at eleven. Uh, all right, you know, I'll give him that. Dak mm-hmm. Prescott at twelve. That's a little high for me. Um Matt Ryan, I mean, mm-hmm. look, we talked about it last week. I think Matt Ryan should probably be in the twenties at this point, but uh, <laughs> Jimmy G at fourteen, mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger at fifteen, which I think is about where he Man. he should be Man. like around
1: probably around twenty seven if it was me personally, but
0: <laughs> Jared Goff at sixteen, Kyler Murray seventeen, David Carr at eighteen. I think is way too high. I For think Carr. David Carr. I think David Carr is grossly overrated. Grossly yeah. overrated. I mean, like.
1: I... I think we'll find out if he how overrated he is because I'm I like David Carr, but I am on the fence on him right now as far as how good he actually is.
0: Only because um, his backup is
1: Marcus Marigoda, obviously. Okay. But um obviously. but this is this is what, would this be his second or third year in this Gruden system? If it yeah, doesn't so work I mean, this year he's-, he's gotta be out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Josh Allen at 19, I think, is a good spot for him. Mm-hmm. Um, Phillip Rivers at 20, that's maybe a little high. And yep. then obviously Joe Burrow at 21. So overall.
1: I, think, I, I will say, I think the Josh Allen thing with the, with the Bills, um, I think that that does have potential to climb him higher up. I think wow. they have a,
0: they have think they're a dark horse in the AFC for yeah. sure. Yep. I think that they are a team that. I think Buffalo's definitely a team uh, to keep your eye on Mm -hmm. and kind of see, you know, where they're going, you know, they can only go up from here. So um, speaking of Buffalo, Mm -hmm. let's transition into our free agency talk. Last week, last week, we talked about the AFC North and the NFC North. Mm -hmm. Uh, This week, we're going to be covering the AFC East and the NFC East. So Mm -hmm. where to better to start? than Buffalo, who is coming off a playoff season. Yep. Uh, they won nine games, I believe, last year. It might have been ten. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I think it was ten. I think it went ten and six. But uh but yeah, I mean right off the right off the bat, you gotta like where where Josh Allen kinda left off. Mm-hmm. I mean, that playoff game was a little, you know, he he kind of underwhelmed in there, but I still think Buffalo has a chance to kind of do some damage. How did they look in the? Uh, how did they look in free agency this year?
1: Um, so, I mean, the big ones. Uh, they, they got Stephon Diggs. Um, I mean that's that's huge. Which I think solidifies that whole thing about Josh Allen bumping up that list this year. Um, Absolutely. And then they they shirt up uh, the secondary with Josh Norman as well. Um, oh wow! I didn't which know I that. actually did not know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, yeah. They signed him on a one year deal. Um, oh, how yeah, the think...
0: mighty have fallen. <laughs>
1: Right? <laughs> Dude yeah, that's gosh, yeah, that's that's crazy the whole thing. But anyway, um him. Yeah. Uh, they got Mario Addison, uh from Carolina, signed him on a kinda bigger deal. Um and then uh Vernon Butler, another defensive tackle. It's almost it's predominantly defensive players for their free agency. Um but no yeah, honestly pretty good move. I think that they're um uh, they're making the right moves to have a really, really solid this or solid year. I'm gonna say solid this year. Um, to be <laughs> honest with you, I know we haven't gone over the rest of the division yet, but Buffalo, and this isn't even tough to be honest with you, but I think Buffalo walks away with this division easily. Yeah, you
0: know, I was gonna say the same thing. I was gonna kind of leave it up for uh, kind of debate towards the end there, but I think Buffalo is gonna win the division. I mm-hmm. honestly do. Like, I think that. Jared Stidham being unproven in New England, you know, there's a lot of questions with the Jets and yeah. there's a lot of questions with the Dolphins, you know, who's going to start? Is it going to be Fitzpatrick? Is it going to be Tua? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, there's a lot of questions going into, you know, in in into the, into the season this year. So um, speaking of New England though, um, the, you're right. Tom Brady gets traded to Tampa Bay. They got Jared Stidham. Mm-hmm. uh at, at the helm now I would have went and got a veteran quarterback but Bill Belichick is probably the greatest coach of all time yeah. so who, who's gonna like be you better you, to know
1: you can't roll out because it's like as long as Belichick is in there who knows what's gonna happen yeah exactly <laughs> I mean he
0: could turn he could make this guy look like a million bucks but mm-hmm. uh what did their free agency look like this this offseason, um Shane?
1: They weren't wildly active. Um, they brought in Brian Hoyer, which I know isn't a big, big player, but he knows the system is gonna. I think it's, that's gonna be a good QB room kind of thing. Um, yeah,
0: solid veteran backup.
1: Yeah, and then uh, we got Adrian Phillips uh, from who was a Charger. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing real blockbustery from them, to be honest with you. Um, well,
0: I mean, that's typical New England fashion. You know, they they. Absolutely. So um, it'll be interesting to kind of see where they go. I could see them being a five, six win team, you Mm -hmm. know, maybe. So um, it'll be interesting to kind of
1: see that, though. I think they're going to be a little bit higher solely because the rest of that division is not good. Well, I
0: wouldn't necessarily count the Jets out. Just mm-hmm. I think the Jets are going to be potent, especially with that seventh uh, seed in the AFC. Now, mm. um, I could see the Jets kind of because look, I mean the Jets got Sam Donald, they got Le- Le'Veon Bell, and they they got you know some good receivers, and and so I think that the Jets could do some damage in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, time will tell, though, to kind of see where they go. And let's just let's just. Uh, kind of transfer over to them. How did the jets look in free agency this off season?
1: Um, they, um, pretty again, um, honestly, this whole division, aside from just picking up Flacco, um, this whole division wasn't necessarily like insane, um, on the free agency front. Uh, they have Flacco, yeah. they pulled in Frank Gore, who is somehow, or I shouldn't say somehow it's Frank Gore. Um, He's, he's like, like hundred. He's a hundred, but he's also one of those like he's just still like producing for teams. No idea how. Uh, but Frank Gore. Um, who else did they got here? Um, George Fant from Seattle. Um, George
0: Fant. Yeah.
1: Nothing really. Nothing really earth shattering on their front yeah. either.
0: Um, um, I mean the Jets. I could honestly see them. You know, going. Seven, nine, eight, and eight, but but might be contending for the seventh seed. You know, down the line, mm-hmm. um, I don't think that Sam Darnold is there yet. Mm-hmm. I actually think Josh Allen, who got taken in the same draft, obviously uh, is around. Is a little bit is a little bit ahead of him as far as progression. Nope. but that, uh, I also I think that really goes down with to, that. Yeah, I think it also goes down to coaching, though. Yeah, I would take Sean McDermott over. Adam Gase any day. Yep. So I mean, just seeing that natural yeah. progression. And then uh yeah, so then I guess we only have Miami to talk about, mm-hmm. who obviously the big free agent splash was picking up Tua Taya by in the draft. Is. I think I totally butchered that, but I tried. Um <laughs> but uh you know the question remains do you start him game one? Do you let him sit, kind of feel around, you know? Uh how did they look in free agency, Shane?
1: Um, So they brought, it brought in Byron Jones uh, from Dallas, uh, that cornerback on a Mm -hmm. pretty dang big deal. I got $82.5 million over five years. Wow. Um, But again, another thing for them, kind of consistent theme with the whole, with the whole division is pretty heavy on the defensive reinforcements here. Got Kyle Vinoy from New England, um, Shaq Lawson from Buffalo. um, And then Eric Flowers. Uh, from from Washington. So um and then also pulled in from uh Jordan Howard from Philadelphia, kind of reassuring that the, the running back spot a little bit. Which you said it about um about uh, um who the cornerback that just got signed from to Buffalo um blanking on his name right now. <laughs> the guy that they just the signed
0: cornerback the, who, Buffalo or Miami? Buffalo. Buffalo, who they? I have no idea who you're trying to talk about,
1: but uh, he he was uh, the Washington Redskin when. Um, oh, Josh Norman. Yeah, dude, Jordan Howard kind of has that similar thing where it's like, he's he's kind of bounced around teams because he went from he was in Chicago, right? Went to yeah, bounced to Philadelphia, and then now he's in Miami. Like,
0: and he kind of disappeared down the stretch yeah. for Philly because
1: he, he was kind of weird. He was like a was... beast in. Uh, in Chicago and it just kind of Yeah, like he out. was a, he was a
0: yeah, he was he was a legitimate beast. But mm-hmm. uh in the a, in the AFC East, me and me and Shane both have uh Buffalo winning. Yeah. Um I could see him going 10 and 6 again, yep. but that'll be enough to win that division for mm-hmm. sure. I think it's, um
1: if they lose that division, it'll be I think some people will be on the chopping blocks because that's Oh, absolutely. <laughs> there's no reason I mean, come to on, not win this division.
0: Come on now. I mean with unless Bill Belichick just Orchestrates the greatest coaching season of Which, all time. You can't put it past him. You you can't, and you, you just better. be like, "This is unfucking believable, bro." So watch,
1: like, I mean, all all the all of the pieces are gone, but like, watch watch New England pop off, and the dynasty isn't dead. I know. I'm not, <laughs> like, I'm not saying I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it could. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It could very well do that, so um, but but yeah, as we transition into the NFC East, you know, mm-hmm. this division's a little bit more up for grabs. Uh, you got Philly, Dallas, uh, Washington and the Giants. Obviously, the Giants have Daniel Jones coming in after Eli Manning uh, retired this year, I guess. Uh, how did How did the Giants fare in free agency, Shane?
1: Giants, uh, they pulled in James B- Bradbury. He's a cornerback from uh, Carolina. Yeah. Um, signed into a pretty bigger deal. Um, they put, honestly, yeah, still more defensive stuff here. they um, <laughs> Blake Martinez from Green Bay. They pulled in, um, and then showstopper here. Uh, they pulled in Colt McCoy. Oh wow! Which, who I did not know was still playing football. Um, <laughs> and then actually pulled in Dion Lewis, um, who was who had that little stint with Tennessee, but was known as that like the scat back from New England from from years past. Yeah.
0: And, Mm -hmm. um, Dion Lewis is a strong, uh, he's a good, uh, receiver out of the backfield, you Mm -hmm. know, for a running back. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how they fit him into the scheme and everything. Mm -hmm. I think that Daniel Jones kind of has a lot of, has a lot of maturing to do, but he showed
1: signs last year that he can do what he needs to do. That's another one of those division or divisions, another one of those teams that like, it just kind of feels like they've been in limbo for the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, where where you don't know. It's just they have good. the pieces, but you know, mm-hmm. it's just, they can't put them together.
1: Yeah, well, let's in let's jump on over to in a, to Jerry World here really quick. Um, to the Dallas
0: in, Cowboys
1: <laughs> with their giant television in the middle of the field. Um, they have a they pulled in Gerard McCall. Gerol- Okay, uh, Gerald, Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy, my tongue just wouldn't work there, Um, from Carolina. Um, dude, there's been a, a consistent theme through both of our divisions is like big – or both these two divisions has been like big name defensive linemen.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's defensive linemen. Because you're starting to see a little bit with the mm-hmm. influx of like big-time quarterbacks, you want that defense to kind of be ferocious and you yeah. want – the the big hoss is up front. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, We're just hilarious that uh, Clowney is still available. That's insane (laughs) to me still, but that's for a different day.
0: (laughs) Um, It's a a conversation for a different day.
1: And then we have uh, Anthony Brown, which we're re-signing. So pretty awesome move on their part. They're pulling Greg Zerline the kicker from the Rams.
0: Legatron, baby. Legatron. Legatron.
1: He's gonna hit that freaking uh that jumbotron every single game I He's bet. just gonna like he's just gonna put the ball through the upright. <laughs> through <laughs> the upright. Um, then they pulled in a haha ha Clinton Dix. Um, <laughs> which No pun intended. It's such a bummer because or not a bummer but like I feel like everyone makes fun of that name so dang much. But he's a really, really good second, like yeah. really good defensive back, actually. Well,
0: he he had a lot of good years there mm-hmm. in, in Green Bay, and yep. and uh, so it's kind of interesting to uh, kind of see him kind of be a journeyman now mm-hmm. because he's been through a couple of different he teams. So. He's
1: still pretty young though, like he's only twenty seven.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's still young, you know, and and so, yeah. but yeah, that that's a big signing there. Mm-hmm.
1: And then uh, the the controversial one, uh, Andy Dalton.
0: Who you uh, uh went on record last week to say that he might challenge Dak Prescott with his fucking hogwash.
1: I don't but, know. Yeah, you know. It's it's just enough of a signing that it makes me think that it's possible, especially you know, in their new regime. Uh, fucking ridiculous.
0: But uh and then we, we kind of transition into to Washington, who is going to start Dwayne Haskins, you would think. Mm-hmm. Um they they kind of made some splashes in the draft, you know, nothing too. I think they picked up Chase Young from Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll, be, that'll definitely fortify that defensive line. But uh, what other moves did they make in free agency? So they pulled in
1: Kendall, Filler, uh, Kendall, Fu- Kendall Fuller from Kansas City mm-hmm. um, on a pretty big deal. Also, a uh, four-year, $40 million. Uh, they pulled in Wes Schweltzer from Atlanta, one of your boys, um, which um, I have him on my Madden team. Because uh, I'm, I'm running the Falcons right now, and I hate him. He literally has a holding pa- holding call every single game. Um, Solid, yeah. And then they have J.D. McKissick uh, from Detroit coming down for a as a as a running back, kind of shoring up that whole thing. Yeah, and kind of helping it bring like roll in the Ron Rivera era, the Rivera era. That's sick. Um, <laughs> we got uh, Thomas Davis.
0: Oh, bringing back—that old Carolina, that just that stalwart Carolina.
1: Yep. I, uh,
0: them yeah. not picking up Cam Newton is is kind of interesting as well mm-hmm. because of Rivera's familiarity yeah. with him and uh, his adaptation to that offense would actually be kind of smooth. You would think.
1: Now, you'd think even as uh, like a QB room type of thing, where obviously they're going to go with Haskins because he's the young guy, but you'd think that. They'd even usher in, which I mean, that's the other thing too. Is does Cam go on a on a backup role? Um, I personally think he's above a backup role, but um, bringing him in to kind of teach that that offense to to Haskins,
0: yeah, I mean that's absolutely so. Uh, and then we go into um, like my boy Jeff Lebowski says, "I hate the fucking Eagles. I hate, I hate the Eagles, but." we're unbiased on this show. So, <laughs> I will I will commend them for winning a Super Bowl a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz obviously a strong player at quarterback. Uh what kind of free agency did they make any big splashes in free agency, Shane?
1: Literally only the real only noteworthy player they pro- they rolled in was uh, Javon Hargrave. Um defensive tackle, used to be a Steeler. So, I'm you know, moving over to the to the city of brotherly love here and I don't know uh, I think that they're going to decline this year. Like, I, I think they're they're gonna they're gonna go downward. Personally,
0: uh, I I believe that too. And uh, you know, if we're getting kind of going into the division winners, I mean, I, I think I'm going to be on the Dallas train just because I think Dak Prescott's really got his ass against the Coles. Yeah, I mean this this dude. This if he come on,
1: man. If he's in the field, he has to be good this year.
0: You turned down 175 million dollars, bro like especially right now with kind of the climate the global climate that's going on right now you know how bad that looks on you to turn down that kind of fucking money yep. so
1: is his, isn't his original contract not even over the whole way like isn't that just an Yeah, experience? he has right? I think it's his last year of his rookie deal
0: or no they might have franchise tagged him
1: mm-hmm. we'll
0: have to look into that but yeah. um it, it'll be kind of interesting to see um how he plays when his ass against the wall mm-hmm look, you got Amari Cooper on that big deal. Now you yep. got Zeke Elliott, who probably is in the top five running backs in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So now it's your chance to kind of see, Hey, can you lead this offense? Yeah. And
1: with some, with some, uh, like some of that added defensive help, there's no reason that we don't potentially start seeing the Cowboys of that like dominant, like nineties, like, like eighties, nineties era.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, I don't even like the Cowboys, but I'd like to see them kind of, you know, because oh, well, I hate fucking Philadelphia. But
1: <laughs> Well, it's one of those teams that's very similar to the Bears like, that we talked about last week, where it's one of those teams that needs to be good. Like, historically needs to, like... Yeah. Oh, I want to see them win Super Bowls, not really, but I do want to see them... I, I think that they should, like, not even necessarily that they were a bad team up to this point, but... They need to be better, I think they need to be seeing we need to start seeing them in n f c championship games and in that upper echelon I think,
0: yeah, absolutely so um, I'm gonna pick Dallas to win the division. What about you?
1: I'd agree with that um I think that that kind of comes back to a thing though where it's not necessarily out of um i don't want s- i don't want say that not that they don't earn it, but I think that they win the division solely because the rest of the division isn't really good.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be yeah. great. Yeah, I got you. So, uh we both picked Buffalo and we mm-hmm. both picked Dallas. Boring picks this week cuz we're agreeing with each other, correct?
1: <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, yes. As much as I hate to say it, you're my
0: arch nemesis shame, which uh obviously brings us to the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, as everyone knows it listen last week and listen this week and and every week after this, we do the heel of the week and uh shane, i'm gonna let you take this one we we kind of had some deep discussion about it yeah and uh we we've kind of landed on something uh it's not necessarily a person but it, it's something that is uh is important to me and shane both mm-hmm. uh with, with what's kind of been going on in the world so Shane, i'm gonna let you take it
1: yeah so typically this is you know it's a usually a light-hearted thing but i think this week um we're we're our heel of the week is just systematic injustice, and there's nothing to really over explain there. Nope. Um, we
0: we've all seen. Yep. We've all seen what we need to see to know that things need to change, mm-hmm. and whether that change only comes from within. Mm-hmm. And so, the only thing I can urge people is to just take care of each other. Mm-hmm. I refuse. I have two daughters. A lot of people know that. I refuse to let them grow up in a world where they think any differently of anybody because of how they look. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the civil rights movement was in the 60s. I feel like we're living in a a second-generation civil rights movement right now, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be that way. Yep. Everybody should be treated equally. Mm-hmm. Nobody should have to worry about a cop sitting on their neck for nine minutes. Yep. And I'm not going to get, you know, we're going to talk about that on Word Up or Bird Up with me and Jordan. Uh, we kind of dissect the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to get into a lot of it here, but I'm a compassionate person. I'd like to think so anyway. Mm-hmm. And Shane is as well. Yep. And so it's just it's difficult to watch things like that and have so many people not understand what the fuck is going on here.
1: Mm-hmm. And what, what it comes down to is listening before you speak. Um, if you, if you don't understand any of the, like any of that stuff that's going on, Abs- like absolutely. open and your I think ears it's- before you start opening your mouth for sure.
0: Exactly. Like, so I think you put it best, you know, I was, I was reading your Twitter feed earlier and, and you put it best. Uh, if everybody's not free, then there's no freedom. That's just the way it is, man. Mm-hmm. If you feel like that you're being kind of boxed in, you know, just know that, we, we just all need to to take care of each other and we need to just take care of ourselves for sure mm-hmm. but uh hey look yep. we're not gonna we're not gonna leave on a somber note like that we're gonna get out of here
1: though yep.
0: um and uh you know you can catch me at collective Heal on Twitter shane
1: rain Shiley. that's a uh, r a n e s h i l e y
0: yeah that's the weirdest (laughs) thing ever trust me try typing that in every single week but make sure you check out all the heel turn collective shows Mm -hmm. i do one an aew review show with me and our boy jay johnson we talk about aew every single week you can catch Mm -hmm. those on all your major spot or spotify and all major pot Podcasting platform. There it is. And then also check out Word Up and Bird Up with me and our boy Jordan. Uh we talk about everything and we shit on it or we praise it. it. Just depends on how we're feeling that day. But uh Shane, do you have any final words before we get out of
1: here? Nope. Um I still think Lance uh not Lance Armstrong is evil. That's
0: I mean, yeah. well that to kind of wrap it up, Lance Armstrong is evil, not just because he did steroids
1: while well, well, correct? He he is a
0: villain. He is a (laughs) villain incarnate. But I am Lance Augustine. He is Shane Riley. Until next week, we'll be right back here every single Tuesday for the Heel Turn Collective
1: Podcast. See ya. See ya.